your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? I almost forget. I think it's Wednesday. Lacrosse Talk PM. Actually, didn't forget. I knew it was Wednesday. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I'm going to minimize this camera so I don't have to look at myself on Facebook Live, if that's how you're watching. Talking to uh, Ron Kind in about eight minutes. So we're going to try to get to Brad in the news sooner so that we can have more time to grill Ron Kind. So if you have questions for Congressman Ron Kind, I probably won't get to them because I have a slew of them. And when I say I want to get to him sooner, that means I want him to answer all these questions. And from everything from, uh, do we, you know what? I don't even have a COVID question on here from him. Maybe I'll ask him a COVID question. I'm sure you're all very thrilled to hear that. Very excited to see, to talk about COVID more. I thought we were done talking about COVID after November, on November 4th, right? 608-785-7914. As we continue the countdown to Thanksgiving, where we're not actually going to have Thanksgiving, not in person. We're going to have Zoom Thanksgiving, right? Is that how we're going to do that? But uh, we've, we've the last couple of days, picked out a, a weird Thanksgiving food. Well, for me, I, I feel like one was weird and one was, I don't even know if tater tot casserole was weird. But today, I just, I, I, I kind of was, I was so busy right up until the show. And then I was like, oh no, I didn't even, I really just, I hadn't thought about what controversial food topic we could start the show with. But, and then I thought of it right before the show and I didn't know the name. So I Googled it, Googled it quick, but I sent out a text to ask, you know, what is this thing called before I Googled it? And <laughs> what, it, what I, what I like, this is one of my favorite things about the, and I don't eat it any other time. And the pictures I have here aren't the color that my mom makes but it's called uh, some of the some of the uh, names here are Watergate salad. I don't know if that's what it is. Ambrosia salad. Is that what it is? Uh, there's there's this one is a, is red. Um, Candace calls it the uh, nasty green salad. <laughs> so if that's if that's a better description of what I'm talking about, I'll just describe it. It's got cherries and marshmallows, and it's green, right? Or or apparently red like cherries. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't have any idea. I'm, I'm looking now a little bit. Some oranges, it looks like, is there in there? There's maybe pineapples, drained pineapples, crushed pineapples drained. Why Why wouldn't they? Well, if they weren't drained, everything's drained. I'm not going to eat a salad that's not drained. Could you imagine eating that, that what, what Candace calls nasty green salad That if it wasn't drained? Uh, but that's one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving. Do you do you, what's your opinion on on I guess ambrosia salad? That doesn't sound like a the appropriate nasty green salad is actually a better name for it. Marshmallow salad. Why are we calling it salad salad? Uh, that's like uh, you know getting a chicken salad and and it's all chicken and bacon and and dressing and there's no lettuce. <laughs> We're calling that a salad. So uh, yeah, one of my most one of my favorite things. I, I will eat all of that, but you have to eat it maybe on Thanksgiving. So what? I, when we actually have Thanksgiving, we won't this year. You won't either. Uh, when, when we do have Thanksgiving, it's you know eat around probably eleven. Eat Thanksgiving maybe eleven or one, depending on how who shows up when. Um, but then you have second Thanksgiving, right? You have second Thanksgiving at about 
about three hours later. I we I don't go anywhere else, so it's just at my parents' house. So Thanksgiving at eleven, and then second Thanksgiving, and then it used to be Black Friday shopping started on Thanksgiving at five. So me and my nephew would go Black Friday shopping, and then we'd come back and have third Thanksgiving at you know midnight or so, and then we'd get up the next day for fourth Thanksgiving, and by then. Fourth Thanksgiving is probably the last time you can have this nasty green salad that's got marshmallows in it. That's that's uh, that's the last time that, that because after that it gets really gooey. Uh, Anthony Tregaha, you know, I don't know if I want to be I don't want to be in the same boat with this guy. UW lacrosse political science professor Anthony Tregoski is texting in. He says Watergate salad is his favorite. He texts in, it's seriously one of my favorite Thanksgiving foods. It's mine too, but now I don't know if I want to be in the same boat with the guy that you know doesn't like. Um, Whoppers. I think he had Whoppers as his number one worst Halloween candy. Like now, I'm in the same boat as the guy that doesn't like Whoppers. Oh, at least he didn't have black licorice as his top Halloween candy. All right, so give me your opinions. Ron Kine coming up. We'll ask him about tater tot casserole, nasty green salad, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, raisins, raisins, and uh. And what is it? Stuffing, raisins and stuffing. And then maybe we'll get to, you know, the whole running Congress and liberals and socialists and Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Maybe we'll get to that. All right. Brad's got to do the news. We'll be back after this right here on Wisdom. All right. Welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is just now the text line. We're just going to do the text line for a couple minutes here. Ron Kind, Congressman Ron Kind on with us. How's it going, Ron? It's going well. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, next week already. Hard to believe. We're not celebrating Thanksgiving this year, Ron. We're just uh, isolating. Well, so. <laughs> the spirit. The spirit, the spirit of the occasion. Of yeah. yeah. Even though 2020 has been a pretty bad year and everyone's looking forward to putting it in our rear view mirror. There's still things to be grateful for, starting with our families, our loved ones, our community. So uh, let's try to think of the positive things, too, in the midst of this COVID virus. I've, I've started every show this week with really pressing issues that the nation needs to hear about. Uh, Thanksgiving-related, I'll just give them to you, and you can just give me one-word answers. You can break it down. Tater tot sure. casserole. Tater tots on the top or the bottom? Uh, top. Okay. Uh, 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 stuffing. Raisins in stuffing or not? Uh, I go with raisins. Oh my god, the first guy that's going. Yeah, I got to hang up. That's the end of the conversation with Ron. And then <laughs> raisins uh, are good for you. They're full of iron and they keep you healthy. But and it adds a little bit extra spice with the turkey stuffing. So put me down for a raisin. And then what UW lacrosse political science professor calls pistachio fluff, the green marshmallow salad. You in with that? You like that or you don't like that? You know, I think that's something my sister brings to the party every year, too. So uh, we humor her, but I actually like it. So Oh, you do know. like it. Okay, because I feel like you're kind of a healthy guy. So when you say raisins, you're bringing up health, and then maybe you don't like the marshmallow salad. <laughs> well, listen, Rick, I, I came from a low-income family on the north side of lacrosse, so we were low to turn down any food that was put in front of us, especially in a large family. When I had a bunch of brothers I was competing with, you didn't ask questions. You just opened your mouth and ate. <laughs> you just shoved it in. Yeah, I remember going to a friend's house and we, you know, his mom would bring food. We'd be playing video games and and it would be not that we were a low income family or anything, but it would be a race to see who could like eat the rest, the the one bowl of French fries. 
That's uh, right, yeah. We wouldn't enjoy it. Um, all right, so here, okay, so speaking of Trigoski, he was in on that debate with you. Uh, he was moderating that debate with you and, and Derek yeah. Van Orden, but he, he comes on with me on Fridays, and, and I will admit we were talking behind your back uh, on the radio. <laughs> Whether you were listening, I doubt, but uh, we, were, we were bringing up, we were just kind of hypothesizing uh, this was a tough race for you, maybe the toughest race for you ever against uh, Van Orden this past election. Um, I, I, I know a lot of money was spent in this election, but when I watched the debate, you seemed pretty calm and you didn't have, you didn't feel like it didn't seem like you were out to attack him. I think maybe at one point in time, you brought up that book incident. I don't even know if I want to dive into the weeds into that book incident with Van Orden, but, uh, other than that, I don't know. And while, meanwhile, Van Orden attacked you every which way, um, uh, so, so we were kind of hypothesizing, I'm like, you know, Ron kind has this district so uh, built for him that he didn't even have to try in a debate with Van Orden. He didn't have to try to attack him, to bring him down. He would just bring you up the thing. You know, you didn't want to make headlines. Essentially. You could just kind of coast. Um, and then on the flip side, obviously this was a, a tough race and you, and you did have to try, but what would you, how would you categorize, uh, uh, you know, that race? Well, first of all, I, I, I'm very grateful for the trust and confidence people have placed with, with me in the congressional district. You know, I'm very honored to be able to represent them. I think I've done a hard job, trust uh, an honest job for them, and it's a great honor. You know, it's the place where I was born and raised, and where Tony and I have raised our family. I think I know the district and the challenges we face. But you, you know, Rick, you've known me for a while. It's just not part of my DNA. I don't think politics should just be a blood sport. A blood sport, just attacking your opponent, tearing them down, running attack ads. And I refused to run that type of campaign, and I didn't. I mean, you look at my ads, what I was doing, I was promoting things I was doing on behalf of the district. Unfortunately, those in office, those running for office, feel differently in many ways, including my opponent this time, Derek. He was on the attack from the very beginning and tried to attack my character, and I think people have gotten a chance to know me, and it just didn't fit the narrative of who Ron Kind was, and obviously that was reflected uh, on Election Day. So I'll, I'll continue to reach out and try to find common ground and remain one of the most bipartisan, independent members of Congress. I think we need more of that these days in Washington and Madison, rather than constant blood warfare with politics. Now, we've got a, a new congressman in Wisconsin, in Fitzgerald. I think he just he's a Republican. Um, my congressman over in Minnesota, right over the river, Jim Hagerdorn. So I follow him on social media, and he's yeah. constantly uh, liberal socialist this, uh, Nancy Pelosi puppet that, kind of the same things that you were hearing. Uh, how, do right. you, how do you do – you, do, you, do you see that as just what those people are putting out there to the public to – play to their constituents, and then it, while you guys are working in Congress, is it a little bit more level-headed? Is it easy to work? You know, you're going to have to reach out to Fitzgerald and work with him. You have to work with Hagedorn for another session. Well, listen, even though I don't believe in negative attacks, and that they do work. I mean, they do leave this impression. They do influence a lot of people, and you, you just see this in the campaigns and what people gravitate to. And unfortunately, we're living in a country that's so deeply polarized and divided, and it's just hyper-partisan. Everything is just attack the other side, and 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 belittle them. I mean, it's no longer just to have honest dis- disagreements on policy, but you've got to hate your opponent and make them the enemy, someone to be destroyed. And that's really dangerous for our democracy and the health of our country. At the end of the day, in order for a democracy to function, you've got to find common ground. You can't be afraid to compromise. It is give and take. It's not my way and all way or, or no way at all. That's a recipe for inaction and paralysis. And that's what we can't afford in the middle of a global pandemic or what type of economic recovery we've got to work on. I mean, there's some good ideas on both sides. And now that we're past the election, 
hopefully there'll be some breathing space for us to come together, listen to one another, find those areas of common agreement, get things done for people back home. But right now we still live in a very dangerous environment with the COVID, with positivity rates, hospitalization rates, death rates going through the ceiling in Wisconsin. So we have more work to do, and hopefully we can do that together, taking necessary precautions to protect one another, starting with mask up. Let's mask up, everyone. You want school kids in school? You want to open up those uh, businesses again? Mask up, and that'll make it easier to do all that stuff. But it's the failure of people doing that that's led to the spread of the virus and our hospitals screaming at the top of the lungs at direct capacity, and they can't treat everyone. That's just incredibly dangerous and mind-boggling for me. For America in the 21st century, we can't treat people who are sick because we feel that it's an infringement upon our individual rights just to mask up to protect one another. I mean, where have we come as a nation? All right, so we're going to skip your entire term now, and I'll get back to uh, what I was talking about. UWL's Chagoski. The the fact that we're going to we're going to change the districts here. I don't know how drastically you're change. I don't even know if you if you have any idea how the, your district might change in the next election. But Chagoski said, since this race was so tough, and since your district would change, and you might have to uh, get to know a different part of the district, you wouldn't have that name recognition if you had new people in your district. Uh, are you? Would you have you considered retiring after this term? Being uh, you, you've been this longtime congressman for a couple decades now. Well, listen, uh, we don't know what redistricting is going to look like, but whatever direction they move in the district, chances are I've represented it before, whether it's up north or east, uh, because it has changed. You know, ten years ago and ten years before that. Um, but listen, we just got through one election. Uh, <laughs> I want to focus on my job right now. There's a lot that's right in front of me. Uh, Two years seems like an eternity uh, from now, so uh, uh, I'm sure you'll understand if you want to just give us a little bit of breathing space for those who are just elected, focused on the emergency that's in front of us right now, and then we can speculate a little bit later on. Can we speculate about you running for Ron Johnson's seat? (laughs) (laughs) No, I won't. Is that in two years? Yeah, (laughs) that's uh, 2022 as well, I think. It might be before that, actually. No, it's 2022. Yeah, he's up in two years. Yeah, so so that's what we did Friday, Ron, and I know know it's not. I I knew the answers you would give you, but I wanted to make fun of it. You're a political junkie, I know, and and so he's a a poli-sci professor at UWL, so I mean, you guys I just love those type of conversations. Yeah. But, man, we just had a long campaign season. The last thing people want to hear is another campaign is, is about to uh, start. So maybe for the sake of our American psyche, we can just hit the pause button, let the elected reps try to do their job here, and then that campaign is going to be on us sooner than anyone wants anyway. I don't. We don't need to dive deep into this, but uh, yeah. this this came out today. We talked about this last time you were on, just the, the opening up of uh, – the, the forest in, in, in Alaska, the, the idea that before Trump leaves office, he's, he's, he's really trying to get uh, these leases, the oil, you know, whether we want to call them oil companies or what, in right. these national forests. Uh, is there any way to prevent that, or is that a done deal? Well, he's trying to do it through executive order, uh, first of all, and that obviously can get reversed on day one of a new administration. But uh, I, it's just been an incredible rollback of a lot of environmental protection and, and being good stewards of our public lands. That's been very troubling to me. I've been co-chairing the National Park Caucus. I helped form the bipartisan National Refuge Caucus, and he's been trying to open up all that for commercial exploitation, too. And we don't have many of those very beautiful, pristine lands that we're in charge of that we need to protect for future generations. So it's been a major point of disagreement that I've had with President Trump and his administration and how he's trying to roll all that back. And, and guess what? I think most of the people get that and they agree with my position. 
that these things are pretty precious, and we owe it to the next generation to leave a legacy that they'll be proud to inherit rather than just more oil drilling or, or mines being put up and forests being leveled for, uh, for those type of commercial roads. How much attention do you pay to the Enbridge uh, Line 3 pipeline that's, that's up north here that's going on? And, and it seems to be always under a little bit of controversy, too. I think there was just news on it. Uh, the other day, a bunch of people just quit. Yeah, you know, it doesn't go through my district directly. Obviously, it's in northern through Superior and then down through north central uh, Wisconsin. But yep. listen, pipelines leak. Uh, we've, we've seen that time and time again. So unless they can develop the technology to make it safe and that, we that's the trade-off that you're asking for. If you're going to have a major pipeline like that coming through Wisconsin, which happens to be a water-rich state, and those leaks have occurred. I mean, they've they've happened before, and you need to be extremely careful in in the siting requirements. Now you 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 got two years here, a two year term. There's a COVID pandemic. It's worse now than it's ever been. Um, you have to deal with that. Do you do you guys do you have to redo legislation like a COVID relief package now that you're a new Congress? Uh, do you can you use what was already passed a couple was it weeks or months ago? I guess if you want to count months ago, but then it was revised like a few weeks ago. Um, that's is that there? And then and do you, and do you get to think about anything else uh, in Congress? Like uh, it's COVID, 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 and and then uh, oh by the way, we have other things going on. Well, uh, first of all, a new Congress is in January, so we still have this operating Congress, and and we're picking up where we left off right before the election, and hopefully we can come together on a new COVID package because many of the programs. Uh, that are assisting people are about to expire uh, real quickly. And that would be very damaging to the economy, not to mention people being thrown out of their homes and not being able to pay bills and uh, food security uh, being a problem again. Uh, we still have a lot of unemployed, laid-off workers that need some assistance, small businesses that are going out of business. So this recession doesn't have to be as deep, damaging, or long-lasting. As long as Congress is willing to intervene and provide assistance in the short term, it's all about buying time, Rick, until we get that trust uh, trustworthy, effective vaccine that can start being deployed by hopefully early next year, but we're not there yet. And the the numbers are going in the wrong direction. And winter is almost upon us, which means large congregations in the House where it's easy for the virus to spread. We're seeing that throughout the country and especially in Wisconsin right now. And a call out to my fellow deer hunters. I know we've got deer gun hunt season opening this weekend. And one of the great fun traditions that we have every year is deer camp. But I'm asking my fellow hunters, be careful. Be smart in the gatherings. Um, For me, we're going to be gathering at my family farm again, just immediate family members and not the usual cousins and, and friends that would gather, trying to limit that, realizing how easy it would be for us hunters to spread the virus and then take that home to our respective families. Man, you can imagine what that would do uh, in the state of Wisconsin. So let's be smart about deer hunting season and deer camp this year and exercise unnecessary precautions to, again, protect each other and then protect the rest of our family when we when we go home after opening weekend. Yeah, I, I said yesterday on the show that uh, if we want to do some kind of like gathering with hunters after the hunt that night, maybe have a fire outside, spread yeah. out a little bit, have that beer and then, you know, and, and talk it out and then go back to wherever you're, you're going back to. Don't have too many beers, obviously. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you talk about COVID funding, uh, Governor Tony Evers released uh, $10 million in funds for movie theaters. Uh, yeah. The Rivley got $43,000. It, it's it, it, it's hard for me to understand. Uh, we need to bail out movie theaters. Do you agree with something like this? Is, is this is this a weird place to be where we're, we're, we're helping those? I understand they're, you know, the Rivley being, a, I believe, a small business. I don't know about Marcus Theaters, but um, could that money be better used elsewhere? 
Well, this was part of the original CARES package that we passed earlier in the year that the governors are distributing in. And listen, the arts community, theaters can be uh, defined in that category, too, is an important part of our quality of life. And they are small businesses as well. Uh, I've been trying to step up to help our independent music venues and art venues who are being devastated by COVID. Obviously, they make their sales with large group gatherings and concerts and performances. They can't do that now. And it really... Depends on what kind of quality of life we're going to see merging from this virus, too, and whether we can provide short-term relief again just to buy some time until we get a vaccine and people can start going back to the normal things that they enjoy. And going to the theater and going to the movies is something that people do enjoy. Uh, uh, and, 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 again, we don't have to see them all go into bankruptcy and close their doors permanently as long as Congress is willing to work with the states and provide the short-term relief. So I don't have a problem with it. I think we should be doing more to assist small businesses who are struggling, our family farmers who are struggling now. Our healthcare workers are screaming for more personal protection equipment and testing supplies. Uh, they're running into sh- staff shortages because a lot of their staff are contracting the COVID so they can't go to work. Uh, and so all this is piling up right now. And I just, for the life of me, don't understand why it's been so hard to get another package through Congress to get us into early next year, so in time for a vaccine to start start being deployed. And when you say through Congress, you mean through the Senate because Congress already passed one, or the idea that you guys have to agree on something? Well, listen, it's got to be give and take again. Again, this gets back to working in a bipartisan way and finding common ground. We knew that the package we passed earlier in the summer that the Senate wasn't just going to pick it up and put a rubber stamp on it, that it would be a basis of negotiation. What I didn't know that for five months Senator McConnell was going to refuse to even talk about another package, let alone what was in it, or that President Trump has shut down any discussions on his part. So it's got to be more than just House Dems trying to push through another COVID package. The Senate needs to see the value. The President of the United States needs to see the value of additional assistance to Americans in need right now. But that's not happening. And uh, I don't get it because, again, you, you look at where the uh, the positivity rate and death rate is going in our country, and it's going in the wrong direction at the wrong time, and it's going to create lasting damage, not to mention loved ones that we're losing uh, through all this. The the uh, I give the Wisconsin state legislature a hard time because they haven't passed a bill since mid-April. And I feel like, uh, you know, when you look at Congress and you look at when you look at the House and when you look at the Senate, we, you, the, the Senate's a lot lazier than the House, right? Is that, that's got to be that's got to be a fact, right? Well, it, they have different rules that they operate under, which requires more than just 50 plus one. And that does tend to bog things down over there, uh, whereas the House is just straight majority rule. And so it's a little bit easier to, to move legislation out. But uh, again, it is heartens back to my style, Rick, which has been one of the most bipartisan members of Congress, one of the stronger independent voices in Congress. That's how you form coalitions across the aisle. That's how you get things done. We need more of that uh, in, in Congress. We need more of that in Madison. Governor Evers this week came out, rolled out his COVID response plan, and it was crickets on the other side. They have no plan. They have no uh, alternative. And yet they're fond of just criticizing the governor for what he's trying to do or take him to court to block uh, protective health measures that he's trying to implement. And that, to me, is not responsible leadership when we're losing uh, uh, hundreds of people in Wisconsin every day right now to this coronavirus. Uh, And again, the trend lines are all heading in the wrong direction. When it comes to doing something like a bailout, and you, you know, I mentioned the movie theaters, but just in more of a general sense, is there a way, is it too complicated or are we too deep into this where maybe there's a vaccine coming up where we just give everybody $2,000 a month 
and then shut down all the businesses except the very essential ones and then put everything on hold, like rent, mortgage. Is that just too complicated a system to do? Where And then, you know, like nobody has to worry about income because they're going to get this 2000 a month to spend on groceries and whatnot. Well, it's kind of what we did earlier in the year. We came together in a bipartisan fashion, passed PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection, so that employers could pay their employees by not working, by staying home safely. And so they wouldn't lose their job, and so those businesses wouldn't uh, close. And by and large, it worked pretty well when that program existed. Uh, we were doing that with those rebate checks that went out, $1,200 an individual, depending on your income level. And there's no reason why we can't be doing that again. Again, just to buy some time, make it easier for people to take the precautions they need uh, rather than pretending like the virus doesn't uh, exist and trying to swing open the schools and the businesses without getting this under control uh, because we've seen where that leads to. So it doesn't have to be that hard, but it does require some personal responsibility and some personal sacrifice. I know everyone's tired, as I am, with this virus and how it's knocked us off from our normal routine. And We love to socialize and we like to go back into restaurants again and go to the movie theater, but we just can't do that responsibly without hurting our fellow neighbor. And I'm all for individual rights and freedom in our country, but your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins. And that's what we're talking about with this virus. I mean, your right not to wear a mask ends in the in the uh, common airspace that we share as a community. And too many people don't realize that. There's a collective responsibility with all this, too, not just an individual responsibility to me, me, me. And unfortunately, too many people have bought into this. Well, this is my individual right. I believe in freedom. No one can tell me what to do. So face masks be damned. And I don't care if I'm spreading the virus uh, out there. Well, it's costing lives, that attitude. And, and even though I've been a supporter of the Second Amendment right, Rick, um, no one has a right in this country to take a loaded gun out in a public square and point it and pull the trigger at people. And that's really what we're talking about with this virus, that if you're asymptomatic, you're a loaded gun. And by going out and breathing and sharing that airspace, you're pulling that trigger. And people are dying from that right now. And so, man, I, I keep coming back to, if I, had a, if I had a chance to go back and talk to those GIs that stormed the Normandy beaches during D-Day and told them, instead of 17,000 of you dying in order to keep Americans safe, all you have to do is wear a mask and you'll keep Americans safe, they'd laugh at us. they say, are you kidding me? What's the problem here? And that's really what we're talking about with this virus. Is why can't we assume some collective responsibility uh, and try to protect one another here in the short term so that we can open things up again uh, and get things back without more loss of life. All right. You heard, uh, thanks. Thanks, Congressman Ron Kind. I'm running late. Uh, I will I will just reiterate that Ron Kind likes raisins and stuffing. I'll bring that up one more time as we head into Thanksgiving. Hey, thanks so much for joining me again. I believe in uh, raisin farmers, too. we got to support them as well. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. All right. Take care. All right, that was Congressman Ron Kine. All right, we're running late. we got to get Scott's comment the news coming up, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about what Ron Kine had to say uh, after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Thanks to Congressman Ron Kine for joining us. Kind of got stuck on masks for a little bit there. Apologize for that, but that's kind of where we're at. We have all these... Cases and the Lacrosse County Health Department has a briefing today, and we talked about hospitalizations. We did on Monday, and we did it yesterday, and uh, yeah, it gets it gets uh, it's a weird place to be because 
It's one of the only things to worry about. It's not the only thing we could talk about. It's kind of why I brought up green cat. What is that green stuff called? M. What did Chergoski call it? Whatever the weird green salad. Uh, you know, kind of change it up a little bit, but uh, yeah, just the the kind of situation we're in, where where hospitals are just they're at capacity. It's it's a little ridiculous to think about. You know, it's kind of hard to fathom, and and that makes that conversation, you know, maybe not the most interesting. Uh, but maybe we get Ron Kahn back on here and and just go, okay, we, we know there's a pandemic. What else is there? But uh, I, I do I do kind of wonder, you know, the idea that we're going to bail out movie theaters with $10 million in state money is, is kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird one for me to wrap my head around. Um, and I know other people are like, well, we need, we shouldn't even be going to movie theaters at this point. But all right, well, I've got a couple of callers here. Eric from Spartus calling in. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, what I heard today was nothing more than a mutual admiration society, and you could, he wouldn't take any questions because he wouldn't let anybody ask him any questions. I was wondering, did he vote for Nancy Pelosi for House leadership? Do you know about that at all? And uh, they haven't voted for that yet. So, right? What's that? They they haven't started their term yet, so that would probably come he already, he already in January. Got it. He already got it. Okay. He vote for? Did he vote for? Did he vote for? Couldn't be be a um, uh... All right, so <laughs> we might as well talk about masks. Got another caller calling in. Caller, who's this? Yeah, what uh, what percentage does do masks work, Rick? Do you know? One hundred percent. They don't work one hundred percent. Okay, what percentage, Joe? What percentage? Yeah, I'd like to know. Um, I've heard seventy percent, but I've only heard it from one doctor. What's irresponsible in this country is that we have people that should be working like Ron Johnson to work out getting um, therapies for COVID and not just waiting for a vaccine. There's hydroxychloroquine that doctors are using, which uh, Google and Facebook and all these other places want to say that they're they're false claims, but Google and and, um, Facebook, they're not doctors. They're actual doctors that are actually using these therapies, and that's what we should be doing. And that's what's irresponsible of Ron trying to come on here and talk about masks. He's ridiculous. It's irresponsible so, to Ron talk Johnson, about wearing masks? I appreciate pardon, It's irresponsible. Pardon? Why would it be irresponsible to talk about masks? Because they don't work. What's the percentage, Rick? You said 70%. You just said 70% is a pretty good percentage for me. Yeah, but I'm not a doctor. I've heard it from other doctors. Okay, well, so, okay, well on, you said it. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, but you keep touting masks. Ron, John, or, uh, Ron Kine was touting masks, but we don't know the percentage. I don't have, really I don't have hydro, hydrocloxy, whatever. I don't have that in my cupboard. I can't use it. Yeah, I don't have any. What? I don't, I don't have any, and I'm pretty sure my deductible is like five grand. No, I'm not so I'm asking not gonna... you to. I'm saying that therapy should be used, and these senators and congressmen should be working towards getting these therapies. So universal health care. So universal health care. We should be working on that. No. I'm talking about they should be they should be getting what there's doctors in some states that are actually using hydroxychloroquine and zinc and other therapies and they're working for the patients. Yeah, but what about we the people that to... can't afford health care? They don't they have ten thousand dollar deductibles on their health insurance or no health insurance at all. They're not getting a helicopter ride to a team of doctors that are gonna make a cocktail for them but to they're going to the doctor. Are they not you, so you're telling me that somebody that, that doesn't have health care doesn't go to the doctor? Yeah. 
<laughs> definitely. They don't call the ambulance because really? it's a $2,000 uh, cost to get an ambulance. Yeah, definitely. The health care is paid for um, for people that don't have health care and go to the emergency ward. Yeah, Who pays for that? Yeah, people, oh, there's all kinds of people that don't go to the doctor. What are you talking about? I've got an elbow thing. I mean, that's not life or death, but I'd love to go to the doctor to have them look at it. But um, nah, I probably can't. You know why? Because $5,000 deductible. Uh, all right, Nick, is this Nick? Yes, it is. Hey, go ahead, man. You're hey, on here. Rick. So I, I do want to kind of piggyback off of Eric's call. It would be nice to have uh, Ron Kine take some questions. I, I understand why he wouldn't. He'd probably be get bombarded. He, but nobody, however, nobody called with questions. Nobody called me. What? Oh, nobody called. Okay. Fair I mean, enough. there were there were a couple of texts, but nobody called. I mean, if if Eric from Sparta called, but I'm not taking Eric from Sparta's ranting lun- lunacy on on the air with Ron Kine. I'm not going to waste anyone's time on that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's a little. I I will just admit, Nick, it's a little hard to do with a call screener. And I, I think we got stuck on COVID talk, which is always, you know, super fun to do. But I understand. Uh, but nobody called with questions. And if I had a call screener, it might be a little bit easier to do to do that, to, uh, to call. Uh, another caller calling in. Caller, who's this? This is Tim. Hey, Tim, go ahead. Hey, Rick. I, I, I got some real problems with this gal that just called in, you know, concerned about masks. Joe? Yeah. Every time, I mean, there's something wrong with that with her period yeah well, every doctor and nurse that's in the hospital wears a mask well they don't work tim and that and that girl that called is joe i think well, it, i think it's a guy oh, I'm, just, well, I'm just saying whoever it was there's definitely something wrong because i don't see any doctor or nurse in any hospital that doesn't wear a mask yeah. to prevent catching the covid period <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just a big hoax, apparently, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I oh. mean, and as far as Ron Kind, you know, we had the pleasure of having Ron Kind at a union meeting one time. My son-in-law had just gone to uh, Iraq for the first time with the Wisconsin National Guard, and they didn't have any um, bulletproof vests. They only had one pair of boots. So at the end of the meeting, I went up to Ron and I talked to him about it and told him what the situation was, which he was not aware of. And a few months after that, they had their bulletproof vests and their um, second pair of boots, which the, the state didn't have any funding for when they went over the very first time to Iraq. So I got nothing but praise for that guy. He's uh, treated us right in this uh community and in the in his district all right cool thanks for thanks for the call tim thanks rick all right we're gonna take another quick break uh we'll be back after this i'm with him all right welcome back to lacrosse talk pm 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line libertarian guy had a lot of texts uh for wrong kind and i'm sorry i didn't get to those uh it was. It was a. I wanted to to have some fun a little bit, but then Ron went into like World War Two, uh, wearing masks versus World War Two, which is a interesting analogy. Uh, I think uh, somebody texted it was a little over the top. Maybe it, it would be funny though if you asked somebody in World War Two, "Hey, well, you you, uh, you can go fight in Normandy or you can wear a mask." <laughs> Obviously, they would they would pick one. 
But uh, Libertarian Guy did say, did ask, you know, if we're going to do a $3 trillion bailout, why not a $10 trillion bailout? Why not a $5 trillion bailout? Um, clearly, the $3 trillion bailout is one that isn't getting uh, the Senate to, to to agree, right? So we got to get some some place in between. Um, and I just, I, I think, you know, in, 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 when I mentioned going the route where everybody just gets a $2,000 check, and he mentioned, like, I, I think the unemployment, the $600 unemployment is kind of similar to that. But if we'd shut down businesses, but then give everybody two grand a month, I think that works for most people, except the people that, and then you just, you have to pause everything else. Like you pause mortgages, you pause rents. And I don't know. And I want, I would really love somebody to, to explain to me. I understand that would be a very complicated thing to do, but maybe uh, that would, that would pause everything and. And everyone could stay home and, and then we wouldn't be at the hospital capacity situation that we're at right now where, um, you know, at, at one point we were we were pretty good. And, and now it's like, man, every, there, there are people here with the virus. I mean, it's, it's going to it's got to be got to be everywhere. You know, uh, rug from Trump uh, says this 70 percent masks working is a pretty good number. That's what I was thinking. I mean, when ba- in baseball, if you're hitting three, 300, that's good. And. Uh, we're talking 70% ma- if 70% of masks work or work 70% of the time, however you want to put that, but they don't work if somebody else isn't wearing the mask. So that's where we get into that situation. I think we had someone call in yesterday and, and ask if I'm wearing a mask, say, but nobody else is, am I safe? No, you're helping everyone else, but you're the only one that's not safe there because, well, everyone's not safe because nobody else had a mask on. But Oh, it's, it's yeah, I understand. It's a little bit tough to uh keep talking about i i did i did kind of jaw drop at the idea that movie theaters got a 10 10 million dollar bailout and this is coming from somebody who loves going to the movies on tuesday when they're five dollars that's when i go to the movie i do have the bucket the 25 dollar bucket that you can use for the year and get like four dollar fill refills of popcorn and then all you can eat all you can refill at the theater while you're at the movie i do have that so it shows that i love the movie theater but if we're in such dire situations right now, we're, we're bailing out movie theaters. The Rivley is not even open. So if we just gave the Rivley owner two grand and then didn't uh, punish him for not paying mortgage or rent or whatever, and then everyone that works at the Rivley gets, you know, they're on unemployment. So, all right, that's all the time we got. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out tomorrow. We'll figure this whole thing out.